Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to episode number 398 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Mr. Link Boy himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? I gave that to Fast. Fast was really just struggling for the adjective. And yeah, I we had some really fun things that we discussed about the possibility of what PitcherList might be doing in 2025. Um, I'm going to be a little secretive here on the podcast, but if you are a PL Plus member, I, uh, you will, you know, these kind of things, it's kind of the fun stuff that we talk about with our, our close community and the amount of, I think we already have this thread that is 220 messages about it. Oh my God. All the well, ideas yeah, and the ways that today. we can do it. It, mm. it is a, uh, it is one of those ideas that the second that you hear it, everyone goes, Oh my gosh, I want that to exist. Yeah. So we're really fun. And it would also enable fast and I actually having our Mario Kart tournament. And we all know that I'm going to win. He just bragged. About I winning I, in the work, I just beat my like, entire oh, department of video game employees, and then we both realize yeah, yeah, that we yeah, both yeah, play yeah. as Link, uh, yeah. which is know, very this, fitting. This, this, this is why it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's time. very fitting. We've got a we've got a heck of a show lined up for you heck today. We've got a big old shakeup in the list, right? And we're going to actually dive yeah. right into it because if you, mm, if you let's go. listen, if you read the notes, you'd know why this why this uh, this big shakeup occurred. But that's where you're listening to us for because maybe you don't read the notes, and we're here to tell you that you should. But if you didn't, <laughs> uh, there are notes is what I that's there, yeah, the exactly. one comment that I get. Uh, it's pretty fun. If you're not checking in, you should be checking into the streams every single day that Nick does. Obviously, you should be tuning in on Monday as he makes the list live on Twitch.tv. Uh, he's doing fantastic breakdowns each week. So you should be checking it out on Twitch. You should be checking it out on YouTube. You should be checking it out on Instagram. All of those things. Featureless content. <laughs> all the content that you could ever dream of. The Alex Fast Show is coming to you hot with episode three releasing tomorrow with uh, Eno Saris as we break down Bobby Miller. It's going to be a really fun episode. It's just making the notes for that. Nick, today's category, okay? You're going to like this. You're really going to like this, okay? This is like we have enough that we could finally do this. And I was waiting oh, for no. the day that we could finally do it. And here yeah. it is. It's here. The tier names, the tiers that I want today are the wild thoughts. So you're going to be saying what the wild thoughts are from the Nick and Alex yeah. baseball show and oh in that order remember you think I remember all of the wild thoughts I think every night before <laughs> I'm gonna be you literally go to bed, making up wild thoughts as of we course. go you know that before yeah. counting sheep you count wild thoughts is really <laughs> is really what I think when, when you go to bed um, all right let's dive on in here as like we said we got, we got a lot of names to discuss a lot of movers and shakers right um, movers and shakers <laughs> I had to get it in before the five minute mark I got it in right under three <laughs> minutes um, oh, well maybe the ad break put it over three dang it uh, tier one here one through six Drum roll, please. Do you have that mm -hmm. old drum roll sound clip? You remember that old one that we did? It was the fanfare. No, you want the fanfare one? I use a fanfare for the for the Twitch stream all the time. It's when I we call it the trumpets. When I go from my normal shot to the green screen, I put on the trumpets. 
And then I pull up the green screen and I say goodbye every time. That's beautiful. We've oh, been yeah, doing that's this right. for like three years. You've been doing that for a long time. The new number one on the list. He's wearing a t-shirt today in order to celebrate. You guys can't see it, but I can. And that's Shane McClanahan. One through six here. Shane McClanahan, Spencer Strider, Garrett Cole falls two to number three, Luis Castillo at four, Kevin Gosman at five, and Shohei Otani at six. What's it called and why is it called that? Look, it's a wild thought that I have yet to hear an argument against it. I think it is how it should be done. And I believe that every single team that finishes above 500 should make the playoffs. Oh, and fun. it's just, just figure it most, out. it's just well, it's easy to actually do like one game playoffs, depending on how many mm-hmm. there are. You can do buys for, for the deviations, whatever you want to do. It's pretty easy to set that up. You get more excitement for more teams uh, being competitive. You get uh, you get rewards for actually having a good enough record, mm-hmm. um, less tanking involved. You get more exciting one game playoffs, which I think is such a thing that I miss a lot, honestly, with a new three game series. Yeah. I miss those one. That was such a fun thing. You it know, was, I mean, it, it, it's really it, fun um, seeing Zach Br- Brin still in the bullpen today. So you're going to regret those. that. I'm not going to regret that. I feel like, honestly, I've really let everybody down for not saying that statement enough to Alex over the years. And uh, <laughs> I remember where I was. I was about to do a gig in uh, in the Lower East Side Pocket for dogs. my band. Pocket Dogs. Yeah, well, there it is. It's out in the world. And I... Uh, Thanks fast. And I Sorry, got, but I, got I, a little I impressed that I remembered. I was, I had, we were going on at like 10 o'clock or 10 30 or something. And uh, I, I snuck into a bar nearby and just like saw it happen. I was like, yeah, be kidding me. And then I went and performed. It was so funny. Anyway, that is a top tier. And uh, Shane McClanahan is number one, kind of by default. Um, it's kind of weird to give him this after a three and run game and two games of, of only five strikeouts. It's mm. a sub 30% strikeout rate. But the thing is, he is my Cy Young winner today. Um, 10 and 1 record, uh, about what, 212 ERA. And Spencer Strider and Garrett Cole don't deserve it. Uh, Spencer Strider, even before this blow up against the Mets, you know, had a four walk game or so and wasn't really like the best version of himself. PLV says, hey, you have the best fastball in the game. And we know this, but still. And then Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, I figured out the problem, and I mean, it really is, it's the same problem I've been saying, but I didn't realize how bad it was. It's Garrett Cole's slider, which is not a product of sticky stuff. It's the same spin. It's the same movement. He's just locating it terribly, and it's gone from like a 24-25% swing strike rate to 13%. Its low location has dropped 10 points, and it's all middle location instead. Um, That's YM lock, um, which you will always attest as XM lock, but you're wrong. No, and you're wrong. everyone agrees with me. You're wrong. No, okay. <laughs> not getting um, into it. I'm not getting just, into it. You're just saying that more people are wrong. That's all I hear. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, uh, Garrett Cole has to get that slider back. But the thing is, he's number three. Why? Because I believe he will. But McClanahan is just like, yeah, you start me. I just survived the Rangers too. Like everything's good. So there's a few things that I want to talk about in this list, which is funny yeah. because we don't necessarily talk about the guys who are in the top tier to begin with. Mm-hmm. So one, I think that. Honestly, the number one spot should actually just be vacant because I don't really think that I can't do is. that. I know. I know you can't. I can do. You can, but you can't. I, I understand that. You can because you could do anything. It's your list, but you can't because people are kind because of. Because that's just not how it's it. set up in the whole thing. It's got to be one. Yeah, sure. But you, my, my point being, though, that like Shane McClanahan, I think you can make a very good case. A Cy Young winner. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I don't necessarily disagree that he's the number one starter in baseball right now. But I also think that there could be some scary 
like regression coming for him, right? I mean, yeah, he's got a. You know what his left on base rate is right now? I'm gonna say like ninety one percent. It's literally ninety one percent. Oh, nice. literally nice. on the yeah, it's on the nose ninety one percent with a two sixty five Babbitt. The strikeouts are down from what he had last year. The walks are at a career high for him last now. Right. All of those things point to the fact that he might not be number one moving forward because he could theoretically have uh, any you know blow up at any time. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. I I, I have. Shane McClanahan on my team. I would love to see him continue to dominate. The other thing, too, is talking about Garrett Cole. Yes, I agree that, you know, the whiff numbers are down overall. I also think that there's something going on with his four-seamer. He's not getting as much vert carry as he used to on the pitch, and I don't think it's as dominant as it used to be either. And there are some some things going on there, just like there are things going on for kind of every pitcher right now, which is, again, why sure. I was like, maybe I no know. one should be number one. Yeah, I think uh, I think the swing strikeout that you're seeing at uh, about 11.7%, which is 73rd percentile, I'm like, wait, that's not supposed to be Garrett Cole's four-seamer. I think that gets better when the slider gets better. Uh, those those really do work in tandem um, where guys are really like, oh my gosh, is he going to throw that slider down in him right now? Am I going to be or down and away? And then all of a sudden the four-seamer comes like, oh no, and they have to react to that. Um, I think that's four seamer is down a tick though. Uh, it's it's also down four points in uh, put away rate, but it's CSW is still thirty two percent. His strike rate is still sixty. Uh, yeah, just about sixty nine percent. Um, I think it's still a fantastic pitch. PLV calls it ninety fifth percentile. Uh, yeah, and I kind of agree with that when I watch him too. Um, but you're right, it is down a tick, and uh, the uh, the vertical carry. Um, I'm seeing pretty much the same. I mean, 10.8 versus 10.4 yeah, on wide not- movement. Not really anything that would make me terrified. Uh, he is getting more, I think that's cut action or, oh, yeah, cut action on it. Or maybe actually horizontal. I can't, I can never get it right. 6.5 to 5.9 X movement. Uh, is that moving away from the center <laughs> toward the center? I think that's, yeah, toward this- the center, right? Yeah, more cut action. So, um, which means he is getting like back in the day it was seven uh, and seven point five. Now it's five point nine. Um, and I'm just thinking about that chart that we always use about like pitch movement. And you generally want it to be upper right corner. I mean, not necessarily all the way on the far right because that's too much lateral movement. But you don't want it to be on the axis, right? You don't want it to be yeah. on the y axis. So getting, getting an inch to more that cut is not necessarily You're right. good. Yeah, inch more cut. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. Um, and when you think about like these x movement and y movement numbers in in like an actual graph, it really mm-hmm. does help. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, it uh, it really just makes my everything seem easy for me at this point. But anyway, if people, I I think he's fine. I think it's just really the slider that needs to come back, and I, I imagine it will. If people are interested too in like a whole breakdown of how to read pitch break charts on a graph, too. Second episode of Alex Fast Show goes in depth on on how to study those, where there they're available, go. where you can find them, what they mean. Um, so so go check that out. Let's move on Love to what. Anyone else on this tier that you want to break down? Luis Castillo's fastball is really good. Whew. It's like it's like really good. Um, do you know what swing strike rate it has right now? I'm gonna say 13. <laughs> percent Even higher. Is it in the opposite direction? It's like a two percent. 21.5 percent. Tell everyone what league average is for context because it's got to be like eight or nine. Nine point five percent. This is 99th percentile among all starting pitchers. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, (laughs) Now the singer isn't very good. Uh, He doesn't get enough O swing on it. Twenty nine percent is slightly above league average, but really, if you're going to be throwing a sinker, you need to be emphasizing that more. 
only at 24% CSW there with 41% hard contact. While the four-seamer at 27 to 28% is good, the slider has improved a lot. 38% CSW, it's what I've been wanting to see. He's throwing that mm-hmm. more than the changeup this year. I I love that. And the changeup, well, the changeup isn't as bad as it was last year. It was 14% swing strike rate in 2022. Luis Castillo's changeup is now 19%. That's good. We'll take that 65% strike rate. It's a, an effective pitch again for him. But really, that four-seamer is just insane right now. Mm-hmm. And it's only the, it's like not even the summer yet, not even the time for Castillo. So I moved him up to four. I was actually even tempted to put him like at three, but uh, he's doing great. Kevin Gossman faltered and Shoei Otani has had a weird ERA problem and he stopped throwing sliders. So I was like, okay, yeah, I got to I got every game. He's given up a long shot. Um, All right, let's move up to uh, tier two here, seven through 15. We're talking Corbin Burns rises five up to seven. Zach Wheeler, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer at 10, followed by Christian Javier, Tyler Glasnow, Joe Ryan falls to 13. Zach Gallen falls to 14 after a tough start against Detroit and Framber Valdez around out the tier. What's it called and why is it called? Um, I'm going to go with the relegation system uh, that should exist where the team that wins the WBC replaces the worst team in the u.s <laughs> that's good i hadn't heard that version of it I like oh no that. we did that we did this yeah yeah we so did japan, i just remember relegation oh yeah no no but it was it was uh japan was going to take over like the athletics <laughs> and like that's their home stadium for the year you know that. like all those players go off and be free agents essentially um and when can sign them all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh but and then it's like the, the you miss out a year or something like that, um, like that. That's what I want. That's that's what I want to exist. To just get replaced by a national team. There's no way, obviously, it would work. But I just think it's no. so wonderful and magical. And the the fact that it's not going to actually work is why it's tier two, not tier one. But it's so wonderful. So it's tier two. Uh, we'll start with Corbin Burns, who rises five. I mean, just dominated Baltimore in his most recent start eight innings pitch with no one runs no walks which is nice to see after the four walks against Cincinnati and nine K's overall just really kind of peppering largely down and into righties with that cutter as it picked up a 43% CSW and his curveball picked up a 54% CSW on that start that's now three consecutive quality starts for Corbin Burns which is nice he had that blow up against Houston at the end of May but even more encouraging to see is again that no walks so i imagine you're thinking all right if we can get this for maybe one more start he's back up into that higher tier yeah um it's three starts of a 171 era 0.71 whip and a 30 percent carry and that feels a lot more like the old corbin birds uh, i think this last start against your orioles was the best version of him i've seen since really he was that ace where yeah that cutter just that's where it's supposed to live down and uh, arm side. And he's done such a good job over his career, nailing that pitch. And it hasn't quite been there consistently this year. Um, but you throw in the fact that his curveball had a 54% CSW as well. Mm. Um, and also a 73% strike rate on the changeup. Like those pitches are important too. And I've actually not really been too concerned about the cutter this year. It's really been the secondary is not doing their part. And to see them get the strikes that they need to do, and then the cutter did what it's you know so amazing at, that's Corbin Burns. So I wanted to be like, okay, I can believe that Corbin Burns didn't just have a peak here. Like this is this is something where that he made some tweak and he has that feel again, and now we can see him soar. So it was also the fact that like Zach Wheeler 
has been has been very volatile. He like would do amazing things and then he would struggle against the nationals. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Clayton Kershaw, I did move up, um, but he doesn't have the same longevity that Burns does for this year. Uh, Max Scherzer also has some injury uh, question mark when yep. he even admitted that he was injured. Injured. Um, I mean, everyone here. I'm has, injured. I'm injured. Yes, that's how injured they are. That's how Max uh, said it. Yeah. Um, Christian Javier doesn't had his slider in five games, but it's still been productive, save for one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I really try to emphasize as much as I can on the list of like when guys are performing poorly, it's usually because something isn't going right. You know, there's yeah. something, whether it's their command, whether it's a single pitch, whether it's just, you know, your velocities and whatever. Um, and then you ask the question, okay, is this now forever what he is? And most of the times, no. Most of the times it's like, okay, that was bad. And maybe the velocity is down. Maybe like he never was a command guy and it's really showcasing itself as a problem. Maybe he doesn't have his changeup and he's not going to get it back, right? Um, with Christian Javier... He's had moments before where he hasn't gotten the slider working. That's fine. He's going to have that back. It's going to be a 60% strike pitch likely moving forward. So I don't want to ding him too hard from this moment moving forward. And it's really important that you ask yourself, like, what is the fault of of these games? And is it something that can be corrected? So that's a kind of a good transition to the largest faller in this tier. And that's Zach Gallen, who, you know, listen, he, he survives... One of the tougher offenses in uh, Atlanta, six innings pitched with two runs total, three, uh, excuse me, two earned runs, three total runs, nine hits, which isn't great, but one walk in six Ks. And you're like, all right, great. He got out of it. Then he goes to face a team that coming into today has not won a single game in June, like coming into Monday morning has not won a single game in June, which is remarkable. They ended up beating Atlanta today, which is uh, that's baseball. Love that. Um (laughs) And you think, okay, he's going to dominate. And then not only does he get, you know, relatively lit up over five and two thirds innings with 10 hits and five run runs and two walks and five Ks, but the velocity is almost down two ticks. So I imagine that's just enough for you to be like, well, that's a little bit terrifying moving forward. Yeah. Zach Gallen, since uh, since he had that amazing scoreless streak, the last eight games, Zach Gallen has a three, eight, six ERA, one, four, six whip and a 21% K rate. Mm-hmm. I'm a 7% walk rate. So there's obviously like, well, Nick, that's not quite fair. We know about those blowups. We know about, um, you know, he hasn't been quite right. And maybe he was going to be better. But it's like, it's just, at what point is he going to lock in again? And I, do I think he will? Yes. But the velocity was down, as you mentioned. And uh, it, it's like one step forward, one step back, kind of. Yeah. Um, I do think the locations were really good, though. Seven whiffs in the four seamer, nine on the curveball, all the product of location here. Um, so, okay, just if you get the velocity back, maybe I can really buy into this again. Um, but the cutter and changeup are kind of like, okay, I'm here, I guess. And uh, I, I feel like there's just still more tweaking to be done. Also, I think I did overreact to that initial surge of Gallon. It was also a moment of everyone being terrible except Gallon, which really made him uh, get a larger spotlight for it. But yeah, it wasn't something. I mean, we Gallon goes on those stretches, and it's so good. I mean, he does yeah. throw co- closed, right? He is someone who, um, who steps towards home and is facing toward behind the right-handed batter, and then pitches over. It's not as extreme oh. as other guys, but that's what he does. Uh, so that is a feel thing, and that can come and go. So it should come back, and that's why he's still an ace. But yeah, this is not a fun time. God, remember all those conversations we used to have about Luis Castillo being like a slinger? Yeah, he is. I feel like that 
That's just such a large part of our vernacular. Um, all right, we're going to move on to tier three here, 16 through 22. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, Justin Verlander at 17, Pablo Lopez at 18, followed by Aaron Nola, Logan Gilbert rounding out the 20s, followed by Bobby Miller, the largest riser in this tier, who jumps at 5 to 21, and Joe Musgrove. What is it called? Why is it called that? I have a really fun one for this. I'm going to tell you guys after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. And we're back. All right, Nick, what's, what's the, what do we got here? What do you got for us? So this is the one where I said, look, for one batter a game, the opponent gets to choose that you have to pitch with a tennis ball. (laughs) (laughs) Regular standardized tennis ball. Just a standardized tennis ball. This is the bat that it is that. And you got to save it. You got to know when it's going to be. You know, you don't want to do that right away. You don't want to do the bases loaded. Just walk them. It's fine. You get a walk. Good, good job. You got to walk. I would, if I would nail them, hit them. You know what I mean? Because you got to think about it like this. He's going to get a hit and he's going to hit it 5,000 feet. So hit him. Yeah. He's not going to hurt him. Yeah. So base is loaded. You save it. You want to take a chance? No, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, here's right, the this- thing. So, uh, so that's why it's tier three, because this is one where, yeah, we can see scenarios where it would work out, but they're not there yet. It's not a fully baked idea. Okay, good, good. Uh, let's, I mean, we, we we hinted a little bit about Bobby Miller, um, and I don't want to go too much into it because that's who we're breaking down yesterday or tomorrow. Oh my God, where am I? Um, <laughs> but I, I think you should give a little bit of a of a quick, you know, give us some, some insight into why he has risen up five spots and is now nearly in the top 20. I have such an adoration for Bobby Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this kid is an actual pitcher and not a thrower. Mm-hmm. Um, there is work to be done. I do want to acknowledge this. The the changeup four seamer and curveball have not been at their peaks yet. We've seen them be really good at times, but the changeup right now forty one percent strike rate. Okay, uh, curveball fifty one percent strike rate. Like he needs to become more consistent with these pitches inside the zone. However. Even though he does not have that four-seamer like Bryce Miller does uh, or Taj Bradley, Mm -hmm. his sinker at 99 miles per hour is such an effective pitch. Uh. He actually commands the thing. You know, he doesn't just go up there and chuck it. Like, he has a game plan and he sticks to it. And the slider, as of late, oh my gosh, it now has a 21% swing strike rate. It didn't at first. I remember the first game, I was like, okay, maybe that slider will become something. Oh yeah, no, no problem. I got you. Uh, just eleven whiffs uh, in his in his start against the Yankees, and all of a sudden a twenty percent CW, good effective pitch against the uh, the Phillies. 
fastballs where they need to be good pitch separation. Bobby Miller is the real deal. And he's in a great situation in LA. I think he, just like a lot of young guys, they generally get better with this stuff as they go. Um, He was also someone I think initially was like, yeah, he's not just throw hard in a slider. Like he has a changeup that's really good in a cribble. It's really going to be something on the debut. And it hasn't really been there necessarily the last couple, but I really think like this is someone who, when things aren't going one way, he'll just turn to another option and it will be there for him. Um, he's really good. Think like, it, it's almost like he's Max Freed. Um, because he's not, I know the velocity is not the same, but it's not a whiff sinker, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an 8% swing strike rate. That's not the ideal situation for, but it's a 75% strike rate and 25% hard contact. Like he is super effective with this pitch. 180, uh, seven batting average allowed on it um, thus far. He does not get destroyed off of it because it's velocity. You have a larger margin for error. And then you throw in a slider that gets whiffs and you throw in, I think, like Max Fried does, like there's this curveball that shows up, there's this changeup that shows up. I feel like Bobby Miller can be that. So he doesn't have to be this 40% strikeout guy, but sure. he can be a 25 to 30% strikeout guy with good ratios for a winning ball club. And I love that. So you think he's a righty Max Fried? Yeah, something like that. I'm just trying to think of a comp of like someone who doesn't necessarily have the most overpowering fastball, but an effective one. Sure. Um, that you can buy into for to keep him actually going into games. Because uh, keep in mind, we talk about all these like youngins. Three straight games of six in- innings for Bobby Miller. Mm. He threw 104 pitches last time. He actually could just start the rest of the way. Uh, he threw about 115, 120, if I remember correctly, uh, innings last year. So Bobby Miller, especially starting late where he's only thrown like 37 innings between AAA and uh, the majors this year. Yeah, you just start him for 18 more starts or so, and that's the end of the year. So they might not use him for the playoffs, but like Bobby Miller could just pitch the rest of the way. Can you think of another Dodgers prospect who has an elite sinker in terms of velocity, but doesn't necessarily get swings and misses? Ah, uh, that's Dustin May, but I think that Dustin May chucks his. It's and diff- I think yeah, Bobby diff- Miller commands his. There is something very, very distinct and, dare I say, unicorn-like about uh, Bobby Miller's sinker. And if you want to know that uh, and what that is, you can you can listen tomorrow. God, um, listen to that. Third episode of the Alex Fast Show. Um, and also, Dustin uh, May doesn't have a whiff pitch that the slider does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty of, of, plenty yeah. of differences there. But I'm just thinking about um, organizational similarities. Where mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really... Uh, we're giving them too much credit when the answer could just be a big sign that says Velo on a board. Yeah. And they say, okay, go get that. Go get me some of that. Uh, all right. Anyone else in this tier that you want to talk about? Uh, not really. Honestly, I didn't make any moves otherwise. And they're, you know, just keep starting all of them. It's fine. Well, let's let's move to the next year because there are some movers here. Tier 4, 23 through 31. Nathan Ivaldi, George Kirby at 24, followed by Logan Webb, who falls 4 to 25. Chris Bassett, Hunter Brown, Marcus Stroman up 4 to 28. You Darvish down to 29. Mitch Keller and Zach Eflin rises 14 to 31. What's it called? Why is it called that? Oh, man, I had a really good one in my head and I just completely forgot about it. Um. I think the pitch clock should not exist in the last two innings. In the last, um, okay. I think that's just a solid rock of a of a wild thought. Um, that's what this tier is. It's just a lot of solid rocks that you're just not going to, you know, it's a safe play. But yeah, mm. it shouldn't exist. I don't want, I, I want that tension in the last two innings. Those are the important ones of the game. I'm with you. 
And I hate the idea that there's any game decided on pitch clock violation. I know. It's, it's just, yep, it, it, it's will, it will happen and then this rule will change. And I just, let's I just be per, uh, proactive about it. I actually think they might change it before the playoffs too. It wouldn't surprise me if they're like, okay, the committee's coming in and we're, we're changing it here. Yeah, um, sure. Let's talk about, about Eflin who rises 13 spots. I mean, you, you seem to have gotten into justifiably quite a little bit of a love affair with Zach Eflin, who's got this really nice three pitch mix with the sinker and the cutter and the curveball. The sinkers just, you know, you see a sinker at 92 miles an hour and you don't necessarily think that that's a pitch that's going to have an 82nd percentile in O swing. Right. Mm. You're not thinking in 92 miles an hour from Zach Eflin. Oh, he's going to get guys to swing outside the zone like crazy. And that's what he does, which is interesting to see with just a 6% swing strike rate. But guys are just knocking it into the ground. He's got a 74% ground ball rate. Yeah. Is that cool? On that sinker, which is unbelievable with a nine, excuse me, a 7% fly ball rate. Uh, guys are just not able to square it up overall. Um, you know, I also this is another this is another fun one where it's like we probably didn't think Zach Eflin would be a guy flirting with the top thirties, but here he is, kind of deserving it. Walk me through your mentality about putting Zach Eflin where he is in the list. You know, uh, I did a funny thing the other day where I uh, mutual friend of ours, someone I read before um, before starting Pitcher List, I uh, was Gray Albright. Mm-hmm. I love him, and I uh, I remember seeing him in Florida. Uh, for labor and he was making his pick in tgfbi and he sat down he was able you know he does this thing i'm not gonna do the impression of gray but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he asked essentially all right do i take kenta maeda or zach eflin and if you guys know me in my preseason ranks i was like oh yeah you gotta take maeda <laughs> you gotta do that and like other people so two other people said no nah, you gotta do eflin and i was like gray eflin is gonna be fine i guess like we don't even know what's gonna be Maeda is an actual upside play. He's in a good situation. Come back from Tommy John again for the Twins, all this kind of stuff. Like you should do Maeda. It's just a much smarter play. Like Eflin is Maeda, but without the same ceiling. That's what I said, right? I messaged. So he took he took Maeda, and I I DM'd him uh, on I think it was on Saturday or Sunday. So I said hi with like ten eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I just want to say I'm really sorry about, about not taking Zeph- Zach Eflin. How you doing? You doing okay? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, if my daughter was not asleep in the room over, I would impersonate his laugh right now because I imagine <laughs> he did it when you sent him that message. I love him so much. He's the um, best. So then what is it about Eflin recently? Obviously, you have your regrets there, but what is it about him that has you really buying in? Yeah, uh, Zach Eflin has this new cutter, and that cutter is just... It's just really good. It's just a really good cutter. 72% strike rate, 32% CSW. Um, he gets a ton of strikes with it. The curveball is up to 27% usage now. Exactly what we wanted to see from 20% last year where it was effective. We didn't know if it'd stick around. Not only does it stick around, it's amazing. Uh, 32% CSW, only 18% hard contact, 155 batting average allowed. That's awesome. And that O swing for the sinker is over 40% against right-handers. And that's cool. That that's that's what you want to see. Twenty five percent overall called strike rate for that sinker. So Zach Eflin's doing all the things, plays for a winning ball club, um, has a good defense behind him. Like it works. And when I look at this tier of like rocks for your lineup, yeah, all right, this is what that tier is. The guys that you just set and forget, sure. and you start them each time. And I felt that Zach Eflin had done enough to say like, yeah, he can probably do this through the entire year. 
So you're up to 31, Zach Eflin. All right. Very lovely. Anyone else in this tier? There's not a lot of crazy movers and shakers after him that you wanted to hit upon. Yeah, Mitch Keller looked a lot better against the Mets. I'm like, good. You had your valley, and now you're ascending again. And I always like the ascension after the valley because they've learned how to deal with that adversity and how to improve and and fix those mistakes when they happen again later. Okay, let's move on to tier five then, as there are plenty of people dealing with some adversity, and that's 32 through 40. Freddie Peralta falls three, Hunter Green at 33, James Paxton uh, up to 34, followed by John Gray up seven to 35. Then Bryce Miller, Dylan Cease, Jesus Lazardo, Tristan McKenzie, and Lucas Giolito. What's it called and why is it called that? Okay, so this is my, maybe my favorite wild thought. Um, I believe that every single team, every year, has to spend exactly $200 million on players. Exactly, on the nose. Exactly. This is like the other contracts are this. You're allowed an extra amount that is for in-season um, for like anything else of X, Y, and Z, but it's $200 million. And you then make it so that the first week of January is the week where all the signings happen. <laughs> yeah, I remember this one. Right? So... This is wild. It's exciting. It's a it's a great thing, and it belongs in this tier because all these guys like, hey, this could be a fantastic thing, but maybe not. You know, uh, it's not called boring so, thoughts. Yeah, that would be so good. It would be so good, and I understand the salary floor and players like, no, no, no. Doing this increases the total amount of spending across the league, um, so that sure. does help players. Um, you can also. Say like, hey, it's going to be X amount raised based on whatever you want every mm-hmm. year. Um, so I I think that's the way to do it. Um, and I think just just making it so that players get more money so that there's no more tanking in this way. Like you actually have to do it. I'm sure there's going to be big market or small market teams, but revenue share is a thing, of course. Um, just make it this. And for anyone that says like, oh, no, the owners can't afford that. Yes, they can. Well, that's always you know. no. It's a lot of people say no. They barely make any profit with this team. Are like no, no, no. You've been misled. All of them can do this. Yeah, all of them, and it should be understanding that if you're owning a baseball team, you have to do this. Yeah, uh, and it's not supposed to be a business. We've seen the revenue jumps um, over the past twenty years. It's insane. It's like three times the the amount. It's like they go all for right. two point five <laughs> billion dollars. Like okay. okay. All right, let's get back to the to the pictures here. Right, Although I do like I do yeah. I know I do like your passion about it. I'm not even gonna get into you know where you're gonna move Hazel Cesardo after you see him giving up five runs it. and a 1.75 whip I to the Mariners it. over four innings. Uh, we don't have to even address that. Uh, but um, we should talk about Tristan McKenzie who falls eight. Um, you know, obviously a, a tough opponent in, in Houston. You know, doesn't really do well. Five innings, five earned runs, seven hits, three walks, five Ks. He still ends up getting eight slider whiffs i don't want to say that the schedule is automatically going to be easier for him because he does get arizona who's been fantastic of late but then after that it's oakland and kansas city which are obviously two teams that they're the two worst teams in baseball i think actually kansas city should get more uh talk than than oakland right i mean like everyone wants to dish on oakland justifiably so because their owner is a garbage person but like i just feel bad for their fans but yeah kansas city is not been great at all uh and they actually have names on their team anyway um what is it about this most recent start uh, uh, for tristan mckenzie that has him falling down considerably 
Uh, Jesus Lazardo has a 35% CSW today. Anyway, um, Tristan oh, McKenzie. Oh, how many leagues are you in that count CSW? I thought you were the one that's like, yes, yeah, CSW uh, is a, a showcase of their ability. I thought of all people. That's true. You would understand that. No, don't reverse this on me. My man has a 419 <laughs> so DRA easy. and a 175 it's so win. It's so easy. And you're going to just win. deny the CSW. Okay. Uh, Tristan McKenzie had the best start I've ever seen him have after the IL, and I overreacted. I'm oh, just, okay. That's just what happened. Um, okay. And I shouldn't have. I should have been more patient about this um, because, I mean, he pretty much he punished me. And even after it, I think I even mentioned on the plus pitch, I was like, I maybe have done this wrong because he gets Houston next. <laughs> and, and yeah, so his fastball command was worse. He threw a lot more low location than we want to see. His slider is still horribly hung. And even though he got eight out of 34 whiffs on it, it's just like this absolute volatile pitch of 50% strike rate. It's not dependable. 21% zone rate. And it's just not the missing of the zone that you want underneath. It's all missing the zone above. Mm. Um, while the uh, the curveball had a 12.5% CSW. And this is supposed to be a CSW darling. Last year was a 37% CSW on that curveball for Tristan McKenzie. It was like a 63% in that first start. So, yeah, he still has some things to figure out. Um, it was the Astros, though, and that does change things a little bit. Uh, and we did see, like, how this works. Yeah. You know, we saw no, how Tristan McKenzie does become that guy. So if context. he can, he becomes an absolute star. But I needed to correct this. It's good context for sure. We should we should also touch upon Lucas Giolito, who kind of flirted with an uptick in velocity and start against the Yankees where he was sitting 94. And we're like, okay, six innings pitch, no one runs, three walks, seven Ks, 100 pitches. So we got the quality start, we got the win, and we got an increase in velocity. Let's see what happens next. The velocity isn't necessarily there. Again, he's sitting 94 in that start against the Yankees, and then he's sitting 92, which is almost a tick down from what he's usually been doing. But still... Seven innings, one earned run, one walk, eight Ks, six hits. A lot of volatility there. Really good pitch separation, elevating that four seam or slider down and in, change up down and away. And it seems like he's executing quite well. Is this kind of, you know, you believe in you believe in this? You know, I think pitch separation is one of my favorite phrases. I, I just, I don't know, yeah. good pitch separation is just like, oh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's what's up. Warms you. Showcase of command and it makes everything look better in different lanes. It's just exactly what you want. And yeah, Giolito's command, I mean, I think generally is better. Uh, it's not necessarily the most pristine changeup. Um, the slider isn't getting enough strike, the sub 60%. But the the holy trinity, the, the sorry, the Triforce, that I'm going to call it, not the Imperial what? The Imperial ship. Oh my gosh, it's your own term. <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. Like, everyone else knows what it is when they're listening. Uh, everyone listening right now is gonna is like Alex. How do you not know it's this? I'm not going to Imperial Caruza. Oh my gosh! I uh, no, that's not it. Um, Imperial. Anyway, I'm, calling, I'm calling it the boat. Triforce. <laughs> okay, boat. Right. It's a boat. Yeah, yeah. The Imperial. Okay, boat. what a sail. Um, but anyway, Giolito. I think mm-hmm. with how he's commanding right now. He's uh he's good enough. Like he's in the kind of the purgatory of not being an ace anymore. Um, but I think he's solid. He does not, I think, have that real ability to get out of this because it just it's too volatile. Some days he even with the velocity, he didn't have his best change up, right? So I'm I I, I gotta hold on to Giolito. 
But the other ones in this tier, like Bryce Miller could just be insane again. Um, same with Dylan yeah. Cease. Uh, might have Luzardo underneath you, Lita. <laughs> uh, after That's tonight. It but, was um, interesting because Bryce Miller yeah. was also going up against Lazardo, which why are we not watching that game? Um, Bryce Miller, do. I did think it was very fascinating that the Mariners were like, um, we're not, we're going to bump you. We're not going to let you start against the Angels. We're actually going to give you the, 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 the Marlins. Yeah. Like, well, that, let's let those Gilbert suffer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we'll just throw him to the Wolves. Bryce, you got this. You can, you can beat up on the Marlins, right? Um, you know, he's so no I thought it was right very now. interesting. Huh? He's no hit with uh with three walks, but it's no hit ball. Yeah. Is it still five Ks? Right oh, never now? mind. There's a solo shot. <laughs> Great. I deserve this. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see the pitch night. Yeah, five Ks, three walks. Um any other I, people within this tier that you uh that you want to break down? Not really. Um James Paxson's command in his last time I mean today was very good. Um, but I I watched that one against the Guardians and it's kind of funny. He had fifteen four seamer whiffs. Nine of them came against the same batter. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Isn't that fun? That is and it's things like that, like the little bit of nuance. And then you think like, oh, cool. So it's only six against the rest of the team. That's a little different. Um, he was not really his best self, but it was like, okay, at least we know that the fastball can work. The cutter and change it, or sorry, cutter curve are really coming along. That's cool. And John Gray was a featured guy. He's been so unbelievably dumb at the last seven. Mm. I don't necessarily believe it's going to stick the entire year. We've seen these peaks and valleys, I think, from John Gray. But the change has been a big thing for him. His fastball command has improved. And slider has been elite since he increased its velocity at the start of May. So cool stuff there. I feel like usually it comes after like an IL stint or a minor league stint. So I'm just happy to see that he's just like yeah, clicking right. without that. Um, all right. There are plenty more pictures to get to. Plus me, we're getting to, we're, trust me, we're getting to all of them uh, right after this break. The Imperial Shuttle. We're back. I looked it up. The Imperial Shuttle. Nick was shaking his head at me uh, when, when, when we went to break. What did I do? What's wrong? Uh, John Gray got scratched from a start because of a blister. You've got oh, a blister. Come on. I know, it's but it's like, oh, avoiding all of it. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that does. Literally, I made in the featured image. I was one line away. Like I go through the entire all the starters in the mm. in the list, and I was one picture away to talk about John Gray. And I saw in chat that he had a blister. I was like, literally, like right now, right now. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It's Let's look at tier six. Any sort of injury thing this week, which is I, really he was cool. what? He's the only one with any sort of injury effect in the past week. Normally, there's at least one guy that gets removed from injury, so that was cool. That is very nice. Yeah. It's very nice. Um, let's look at tier six here. 41 through 49. Luis Severino, uh, Tyler Wells up one to 42, followed by Sonny Gray, Tanner Bybee, Shane Bieber, Merrill Kelly falls two to 46, Taj Bradley down to 47, Braxton Garrett and Blake Snell up 11 to 49. What's it called? Why is it called that? This. Um, this is everyone needs to make at least one trade during the trade deadline. Mm, okay. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, good, good, good. Yeah, what yeah, if yeah. we made, what if we made it just that you can only make one trade? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's a fun one. That actually, that might be deserving of a higher tier, to be honest. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a really good one. That's a really uh, but good But the problem one. is like, you have a lot of holes to fill. It's like, I mean, I can imagine a scenario where we're all like, okay, the Padres and the Marlins are the last two mm-hmm. remaining. They are going to send cash for cash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, there has to be there. There, you know, has to be. A yeah, player. you have to set like requirements in some way. Yes, but uh, but yeah, I mean, might be kind of cool. And that's all these guys could be pretty cool. 
The, let's talk about the coolest one of them all is Blake Snell Rises 11. I mean, on a little bit of a, of a, of a tear right now, right? Three consecutive quality starts, uh, seven or higher Ks in all of them, 12 Ks in the most recent surviving cores. Sure, it's been not the greatest offenses That's at Miami been. versus Chicago and then Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, what I thought was interesting is, you know, they've been letting the, the pitch count get up there and he finally has what is truly I mean, I, I'm trying to do the math quickly, but his his most efficient start of the year. I mean, this is a guy who's usually at like 70 pitches come like the fourth inning, and yeah. he's at 85 in the seventh. And despite Come-backer. the fact that they have shown there, oh, it was the comebacker that got yeah, that. he got hit in the ankle. He finished the inning, but oh, then he man, got pulled. swollen yeah. up. Yeah. Okay, that stinks because he was he was cruising. he was going to go the distance without a doubt. He was cruising, um, but you've kind of you know, been positing uh, throughout the year that, you know, just, just wait for those breakers to come. Are the breakers here or is it something else that's caused them to have success? It's kind of wild. Four starts of just two earned runs from Blake Snell. And here I'm, I'm saying this is not it. <laughs> yeah. Nine <laughs> um, curve whiffs. Watch, yeah, watch the breakdown I did this morning of Blake Snell. It's a real, I think it's a really important one to understand context of, of like watching games and you've watched games before where like you blink and you're like, wait, this guy has like eight strikeouts. Like what? Yeah. You know, and other yeah. times you're like, Oh man, he only has six. Like that's crazy. And those are, there's a big thing about that, about like your subconscious recognizing the dominance of a player. Um, don't overlook that. Uh, you understand the little nuances that are going on, how they're attacking hitters, how they look good or bad. And Blake Snell in this. Yeah. His fastball Rarely in the zone, 45% zone rate, which is not what we want. We want to see like a yeah. 55% on that pitch. Uh, he was getting behind batters a decent amount. Nine curveball whiffs, a ton of them in the dirt. And actually, this is something mm. I've been thinking about a lot. I think we get, we see fewer bounced breaking ball whiffs these days than we used to. You know, I think anytime it like bounces, like a, you know, a swing strike blocked. I think those rates have gone down uh, in like the past like four years or so than it used to be. And I don't know why, but I think that actually is a, th- a real thing. Um, oh. And to see so many, I mean, I saw some really bad swings and I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Um, that it, it just has me as like Blake Snell isn't doing the Blake Snell blueprint quite yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just like saying like, look, he has to do this. But what I didn't mention in those four games is that the previous three games all came with 10 walks combined. Uh, he kind of found a way to do it against the Nationals, the the Marlins and the Cubs. And mm. now it was in cores and he does this, but like, I, I I don't quite buy it. I mean, I think you should add him. He's inside the top 50. You should have him and start him and just like, I hope to be wrong. But if you yeah. want to ask me about my believability of this right now, we're still not there. I mean, it's tough to argue with that. Would you see it? 13% walk rate, no 133 whip, but a sub 4 ERA. Those yeah. those things don't add up. So you're really just trying to see which is going to break first. Anyone else in this tier that you want to touch upon before moving on to tier 7? Yeah, we, we we have a tendency now to go a little bit long on these and so much oh so God, that we we're not even in the 50s the and we're at 46 minutes. Every single time. Uh, not really. Shane Bieber only got one spot for his nine striker game because we have five whiffs on the slider. Do you want to tell me that he's going to be like a 42% CSW fastball and a 47% changeup every game or cutter rather? No, 
Not going to happen with Shane Bieber. Like, don't don't buy into that one. Braxton Gary should be picked up everywhere. It's an amazing schedule. Um, I'm terrified of Taj Bradley's command. Okay, I think that's enough. Tier 7, 50 through 60. Yuri Perez falls 10 to 50. Louis Varland. Garrett Whitlock up 17 to 52, followed by Bailey Ober. Charlie Morton, Domingo Herman up 11 to 55. Tony Gonsolin, Jack Flaherty, Michael Kopech at 58. Jose Barrios and Michael Waka round out the tier at number 60. What's it called and why is it called that? Um, I think it would be really fun in extra innings. If you get to the 15th inning, uh, every at-bat is one pitch. <laughs> every at bat is one it's a three two count instantly <laughs> okay yeah uh all right we gotta uh, we gotta uh, go home guys <laughs> we just gotta we gotta get out of here i yeah. got plans uh there's a few people i kind of want to hit on i do want to start with I, i'm a little surprised at the michael walker ranking i can understand that you know maybe he's a guy that you're kind of screaming he can't keep getting away with this. And and, and I, I get that. But he is on a total heater right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this, the upcoming schedule is is golden. We're talking about the Guardians at San Francisco and the Nationals. So are you just thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I just doomed him. But, you know, of course, the inefficient start against the Cubs. But aside that, he's just been cooking. And in that most recent start, kind of continued to do so so what is it about waka that has you not well, really believe in? i think I, I think if i honestly i could move around this tier because these are guys that are all still should be rostered right now we're not at the cliff mm-hmm. the cliff happens in tier eight so um and i say the cliff if you guys are unfamiliar that's pretty much the point at which i uh, i say that everyone should be rostered here and then at that point the cliff like you don't have to hold on to them it's kind of in your best interest to stream and find other options and play matchups and such such so um, with Waka in this tier, I feel like I, if I wanted to, I could put Domingo Herman and Tony Gonsolin underneath him. Um, and I could probably move down Louis Varland a bit, uh, in retrospect, but really all of these are very interesting guys. Yuri Perez mm-hmm. is only here because he would be higher up, but Craig Mish put out a, a tweet about like, Hey, the Marlins want to limit him and that might happen really soon. Um, Varland now finally gets his amazing schedule. So I didn't want to really judge him too much he finally is out of the gauntlet of like five straight terrible matchups mm. uh, Garrett Wedlock looks so good like so, he looks so good against the Yankees this is the guy yeah. we've been waiting for good yep. schedule ahead love this Bailey Ober is solid and he has been he is who he is um, and that's really the thing about Waka at the end of the day is like I don't I don't know if I really buy it because we actually did see last year he had like a 221 ERA in like July or something and then it fell apart by the end and the changeup is the thing for him. It is it is legit. This is a 99th percentile changeup for PLV. Mm-hmm. 5.94 PLV. The quality pitch percentage, which is the average, is 40%. So 40% of the time you throw a changeup, we think it's a really good one. Yeah. 99th percentile, it's 62% of the changeups thrown. That's insane. Mm. I Like, if it's a ball, that's not in there, you know? So... This is a really, really good changeup. I just worry about everything else. Is he going to have enough of a fastball command on a given night? He has recently. He's been in this rhythm. It feels more like a Vargas rule than it does someone I'm holding through the rest of the year. And then I look at everyone else. Michael Kobeck could have actually turned the corner with his four-seamer and slider. We're going to wait and see this because it is a bad matchup in the next two. 
but maybe he comes through with it. Jose Brios sinker is a major thing, and he's been insanely good after those first two starts. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, say whatever you want about Tony Gonsolin. You want to put him underneath Waka? Fine by me. Uh, Jack Flaherty's trending upwards as well. Domingo Herman still has a swing strike right now. It's a curveball. It's a phenomenal curveball, and the fastball and changeup are both good. Like they're yeah. good enough. So, like, all of these guys are worthwhile. And I really did wrestle how to order them. And if you want to say that to me that Waka is going to have these, the seven game stretch that he's had and is going to do another seven, okay. I don't believe that, but it's not out of the question. So, go with your gut, go with whoever one you want here, but all of these guys should be rostered. What, a, a birthday party, according to Pitcherless Terms, is a is a once a year thing. It's very good. It happens, but it's great. We we did it. We celebrated. We moved yeah. on. What's what's it called when that happens and it could be here to stay? Um, that's like a breakout one. that you've been waking waiting a to retirement happen. party because it's going to stay there for good because he's now retired. Okay, <laughs> but I mean, like, let's get specific. Uh, we have seen. Um, in this most recent start, I should say Garrett Whitlock slider was unbelievable against yeah. the Yankees. Ten whiffs, six called strikes, sixty-two yeah. percent CSW. We have seen it once before against the Angels in the beginning of April, uh, where he picked up eleven whiffs on the slider. But maybe that slider could be here to stay. You want to know why I really like Garrett Whitlock aside from the fact that I was really excited about him in the offseason? Why? It's because if you go to his player pages and you look at uh, the the colors, the color scheme, they look just like Mardi Gras. And that's it. That's hmm. the only reason. It's like the gold, the purple, and the green. Love oh, yeah. that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. All right. That's any it. other people We're in this tier? Here, yeah. yeah, that's it. Hey, guys, have a good night. That's going to do it for episode. Uh, any other people in this tier you want to hit up on? Um, no. You Wait, you were about to say this thing about Whitlock, about like, if you go to his player page. No, it that was, was a joke. Co- yeah, that was it. There seriously isn't any analysis that you want to provide? No, that is his 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 colors look like Mardi Gras. I did the analysis on the sliders. I mean, oh my god, forty seven percent CSW so far this year on the slider. It's um, unbelievable. I mean, I, I was yeah. very excited about him for a reason. I mean, like he's a ninety fifth percentile on swinging strike rate on the slider. He's ninety first percentile on called strike rate. I mean, it's the ideal breaking pitch at the moment because you can throw it for whiffs, you can throw it for strikes, yeah. and, and like you already said, a forty seven percent CSW, which kind of encapsulates everything that I just said. He can be very. He's not elite at it, but he can get weak contact on the pitch when he needs to, and he's doing all of it with a pitch that's. What a, a, a poor curveball's velocity! It's at seventy nine miles an hour. Yeah. Like I, I, I just I dig that. It's it's a great pitch. Um, and I've been kind of waiting for Gary Wellock to get into a groove, and we saw it. And like I actually I truly believe that he's the kind of guy that like he does that, and that's who he is. So I uh, so I'm a big fan of Garrett Woodlock. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that's why he's as high as he is. If you want to raise up Walker, go ahead. All right. Anyone else? I mean, you hit up on virtually everyone, but yeah, else we can move on. Okay. Um, let's go to tier number eight here, 61 through 65, a tiny little baby tier. Uh, Brian Bayo rises nine to 61. Logan Allen up to 62, followed by Alex Cobb, JP France, and Bryce Elder falling 14 to 65. It happened. He finally it stunk. Uh, what's it called and why is it called that? First of all, let's all give Alex Fast a round of applause for saying Brian Bayo. And getting it right on the first try. He even gave me a wink as he did it. I'm, he was so proud. <laughs> and uh, it's a wonderful thing. Um, this is called the worst team in baseball has to wear a brown uniform. And the best team in baseball has to wear a gold uniform. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, brown Behold. for being a Toby. So this is the Toby tier. Oh. But you have to be like, <laughs> you have to be shamed. 
boy, like we have to actually be like, look, you are the worst team in baseball and you don't get to just like have fun. Like, no, I was no. going to say the, the Kansas poos. Um, oh boy. The Brian Bayo jumps up nine, which is a little surprising considering the, the most recent start. Now this is something where if you watched the start, you were like, he just seemed absolutely in control. This was most recently, this was last night or two nights ago, if you're listening uh, on Tuesday when this is released uh, against the Yankees. You know, he ends up giving up, I think, something early and then something late uh, in terms of earned runs, if I recall correctly. But overall, he seemed relatively like he was just kind of cruising through that lineup. He did just pick up seven whiffs, you know, just three Ks overall on 98 pitches. Um, We've seen more dominant outings from him this is someone i think you and i can both agree on that like when it clicks it can be very good just when it clicks is few and far between what is it about brian bayo that has him jumping up nine spots to tier eight i'm surprised how much i like his sinker um 70 strike rate he keeps it down uh this is this is about a 50 percent low location on it i think he's even gotten better at it lately 73rd percentile on all sinkers actually being a sinker which is kind of cool uh, a lot of the times we just, you know, two seamers and sinkers. I was really one of the guys that was resistant to calling all two seamers sinkers. But now I'm just like, it's easier. We're just doing that now. But it actually oh. does act like one a ton. And I've surprisingly seen some whiffs on it, which is like, whoa, you don't really see whiffs on low sinkers uh, like at all anymore. Um, but I, but Bayo has a lot of room to grow in the meantime. He has his changeup he keeps down. Uh, and he's got a 25% swing strike rate on that. That's great. The slider is a big area of, of improvement for him, I think, moving forward. But just as a sinker changeup guy, a guy, he's a Toby there. Uh, but the slider, yeah, it can't be a, a 49% strike rate with a 42% hard contact. Like he's either missing terribly or missing way in the zone. And I think over time that does get better. Okay. Anyone else in this tiny little baby tier you want to hit upon before we go to tier nine? No, but keep in mind also Bayo has a 12% swing strike rate on his four-seamer. That's pretty dang cool. Uh, also uses it in uh, two strike counts 33% of the time, but a terrible put-away rate. <laughs> yeah. 15%. Oh, boy. He'll get better at it. He's one of my dudes that, like, if I had to pick who I think could be, like, kind of a breakout star next year, just like another offseason to kind of put it all together, mm. I do kind of believe in his stuff. He is 24. People love to talk about that, like, Pedro's his, like, private mentor. Which I mean, can be Pedro's good. talked to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. And that also, like, listen, sometimes that can be great and sometimes that can be terrible. Yeah. Sometimes the best players in the game make really poor coaches because all they mm. say is, why don't you just do it like me? Um <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to. I'm not saying that about Pedro. I don't know anything. Yeah, about anyone, anyone else here? But. Yes, Logan Allen is a Toby. Uh, Alex Cobb, sure. He's, I'm just going to say he's a Toby now, not a cherry bomb, because more times than not, he has a splitter. But it's like it's okay, whatever. JP France mm. is not going to walk six guys every time. Um, and Bryce Elder, it's a Vargas rule, and he had the terrible start. But I'm going to say, you know what? You get one more before I drop you into like tier ten. So. Good luck. And it was a terrible start against the Nationals, too. Right? Yeah, with uh, one strikeout. So how am I going to butter my bread with that? I mean, he got, he, guys, he's a slider sinker guy with a sinker. Not that good of a pitch. So, yeah, that's so you can hang on for Rocky time. Road in the next start. But after that, it's Philly, um, who is not, right now. I believe JT Real Muto is in the fifth inning and a double shy of the cycle. So no, that's him. cool. Um, moving on to tier nine, 66 through 73, Edward Cabrera, Reed Detmers, Brian Woo, uh, Yusei Kikuchi, <laughs> Drew Smiley, AJ Smith, Shaver, Lance Lynn falls 10 to 72, and Andrew Abbott 
falls 14 to 73. What's it called? And why is it called that? Um, at one point, every game uh, for one inning, um, the other team gets to choose someone in the field who has to pitch instead. Mm, that was a good one. Yep. That was a good yeah. one. That was a really and good it's, one. It's, it's, it's chaos. Thus, tier nine, cherry bomb tier. Okay. We, we should talk a little bit about Brian Wu because, you know, we saw the start against Texas and it was like, oh, Mandy labored and it was difficult. But, oh, baby, you know, if you just showed me this pitch plot and showed me uh, the, the properties of his four seamer and I had to guess which team he was on, yeah. uh, it would be very easy to guess the Seattle Mariners because they like their vert. They like their rise, yeah. they like their carry, whatever you want to call it. And while he didn't have it against Texas, man, he was dotting the top of the zone in that most recent start against the Angels with eight four seam whiffs, 10 called strikes for a 34% CSW. I mean, like 75% of his whiffs coming off that four seamer as he picks up seven Ks. Again, just 81 pitches, right? They're kind of, you know, taking a little, a little bit easy. Um, but what did you see that had you interested in bringing Brian Wu up to the late 60s? I know it's an incredibly small sample, but even in that Rangers game, he had six over 22 four-seamer whiffs, which means that he now has a 19% swing strike rate on his four-seamer, <laughs> only pretty much second to Luis Castillo, right? His team, uh, unbelievable. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, and I actually heard on the broadcast, they were uh, saying, hey they weren't actually actively trying to get four seamer guys. It's just what happened. And they're like, okay, I guess that's what we do now as they throw the most <laughs> sure. four seamers of any rotation in baseball. And Robbie Ray isn't even in it right now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, Brian Wu needs to add something else. So it's a really good four seamer. And I think that's cool. I, I'm happy that we can say, look, the angels game is more indicative of who he is. As you mentioned, four seamers were uh, high location a ton. I watched all of it, of course. Um, slider needs to improve. I mean, it got a decent amount of strikes, 61%, but uh, 13 sliders thrown. It's very inconsistent. It's not really that pitch yet. However, we've seen this before in, in rookies where the more starts they get, the secondaries come alive. You start with the fastball. You start working with that, and then they get the feeling. They get rid of all the the jitters that they have, and they're able to not overthrow those secondaries. So I wouldn't count out the slider quite yet, which has a 13% swing strike rate and just a 22% CSW. I think that can get better. Um, I do wonder if the sinker is good or not. Uh, I saw with him, he had one whiff on it, and it was glorious. It was like 96. I was just down and in under the zone to a righty. I was like, ooh, what is that? I thought it was a change up, and I saw it was 96. But that was one of them, and he doesn't always execute like that. And it really is a four-seamer focus. So there's a lot of risk here because it's not Bryce Miller's four-seamer. Uh, it's had good results, but the the Y movement is only 8.6. You know, we're not talking that 10 plus, not that amazing stuff. So uh, it's still good, clearly. Um, hopefully you have the induced vertical break somewhere. Um, tell me a little bit further with that. But I... Mm-hmm. Uh, if a Brian Wu has a good four-seamer, he needs to figure out what that extra secondary is. He's not going to be able to get away with this like Bryce Miller does. So I'm intrigued, um, but uh, this could go badly. The induced vertical break uh, on his is actually not as dominant as I thought it would be. Yeah. It's, 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 it's 15, which is, I thought it was going to be better than right. that. Right. We want to, like, what is the range typically fast for everybody listening about induced vertical break? Well, it depends, like, what you would consider to be, like, uh, an elite vertical break. Like, I think 
is 18 or 19 if i recall yeah, that's where my head was yeah, if you like, see 20 you're like oh boy yeah exactly like bryce miller has a 19 um the person who theoretically i think has the most elite induced vertical break is felix bautista and he's got a mm. 20 um, is he? so it, it <laughs> just the best reliever in baseball baby uh <laughs> Yeah, so he's, I mean, that's a little bit different because of all of his height and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, Nick, I didn't read the notes, and I want to know why Andrew Abbott fell 14 spots because he just had another very good start against the Cardinals, and he hasn't given up a single earned run in 11 and two-thirds innings. And you're Yeah, because he's not 14. that good. It's a four-seamer and a curveball that I don't really think are that amazing, and he now has two really bad starts ahead of him. And um, it's just not something I want to chase right now. All right, let's move on to our final tiers here. As you said, we're going a little bit long on this one. Tier 10, uh, Ranger Suarez at 74. Jordan Montgomery, love saying this name at number 76 because he's earned it. Julio Tehran. Uh, Clark Schmidt rises 17 to 77, followed by Tanner Houck appears on the list. Rich Hill appears on the list, and J.P. Sears falls 8 to 80. What's it called? Why is it called that? Um, They decided to call it baseball instead. And everyone's like, what? Don't do that. <laughs> okay. I mean, listen, to, uh, uh, there's so many good names to talk about here. Oh, Tanner Houck looked good. Rich Hill is here. I never thought, you know, he, he's at the same ranking as his age. Uh, J.P. <laughs> Sears, there are fun things to talk about there, but we, I got to give you your platform to talk about Julio Tehran up to 76. You Why know, do you know how good Julio Tehran's slider has been? It's been unbelievable. He's been unhittable. It, it's it's kind of wild. Uh, it's a 38% CSW slider. And guess what? third percentile swing strike rate it's all called strikes that's unbelievable i mean it also doesn't even like locate it well it's like in the middle it's all ym lock i'm not even kidding he has a hundredth percentile slider ym lock it's 54 percent that's thigh high sliders and he's getting away with it um it's pretty wild uh he doesn't even have a great o swing uh 28 o swing on the sinker um, 42% hard contact. So like, Nick, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Look, it's a Vargas rule in the truest sense. He just Listen. keeps starting and he gets, I think, Pittsburgh next or maybe it's Oakland. I can't remember. It's a great outing uh, or setup for him. You just do it and go, whatever. That's yeah, it. He just had Oakland. So it's Pittsburgh next followed by the Guardians. And he is in the 99th percentile and high location on his four-seamer. He has not thrown a single four seamer at the knees which is unbelievable uh, cool, he's yeah. only he's thrown 38 of them but that's pretty zero percent low lock is so great <laughs> that's unbelievable one right, percent i mean one percentile ym log at 13 percent it's, uh, it's unbelievable he's yeah he's putting on a clinic he's painting uh 21 percent put away rate on a four seamer is well above average um <laughs> yes. 75th percentile on that as he throws them only in two strike counts 50 percent of those four seamers have come in a two strike count 90th percentile. I love it. Pretty cool. Anyone else in this tier you want to hit upon? I mean, everyone. Um, Ranger Suarez is having his command and he's got a good schedule. Jordan Montgomery, sure, whatever you're Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Clark Schmidt doesn't have a put away offering. It makes me really concerned long term about him. Uh, Tanner Houck is a command guy. And so what I mean by that is when he has it, he's excellent. He's kind of a cherry bomb in this way, but I do actually feel like because he has a really good slider, he should settle into like, okay, this is fine kind of pitcher. Um, Rich Hill, really good schedule. He's had four bad games this year. One was against an early version of the White Sox where actually were good. The other three were great matchups, like as in like really good offenses. And then all against every time you would consider Rich Hill as like, oh, this is a good matchup. I should start him. He's come through. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. 
Meanwhile, JP Sears just got the Brewers a fantastic matchup and had four whiffs. I'm like, oh boy. Oh boy. Um, all right, let's move on to the next tier then. This is tier uh, 11, uh, 81 through 87. Kodai Senga, Andrew Heaney, Johan Oviedo, Griffin Canning up 2 to 84. Brady Singer down 3 to 85. Mackenzie Gore down 15 to 86. And Luis Ortiz, what's it called and why is it called that? Whenever a, a, a batter hits a home run, the pitcher is required to say congratulations. <laughs> where? Where in the mound? When they hit home plate. <clears throat> Oh, they also like meet him there, shake hands. Yeah, yeah and say congratulations, shake his hand. You know, <laughs> that's that's very good. That's very good. <laughs> uh, a big fan of that. Um, unfortunately, Mackenzie Gore not very good. Really got blown up. Velo also down a tick uh, in that most recent start as he drops fifteen. Is the Velo the concern, or is it that was just kind of a Vargas rule, and now we we gotta you know fast? Um, I think do we have a full official list of this? Of like the teams that if you pitch for them, we'd have no faith in your development. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Nationals I mean, are the Nationals yeah, are there. on it is the point. Like the Angels are there. The uh the Rockies are there. Uh, I I mean, what else do we have on this list? Like the Royals are there. Yeah. Develop, yeah. Um yeah. and I want yep. to I want um, to be proven wrong, is the thing. I think all of us do. Like it, it enrages us as fans because we're like, we I don't ever want to sit here and be like, oh, no, I know better than these organizations. But we can also say, look, the the, the strategies and the theories that you guys have are not working. Yeah. Uh, and we would think that these other ones that every other organization is using, which is clearly effective, should be utilized here. Um, I think there are a couple others. But, yeah, the Nationals are that. And considering we keep seeing the volatility of what Mackenzie Gore does, sometimes he actually elevates his four seamers and other times he just doesn't. And I'm yep. like, it was that intent? Was that on purpose or not? And sometimes this curveball and slider are good. And it's just too much of a headache. You know, this is this is an absolute hipster, hipster. headache-inducing pitcher stifling the entire roster. So Jeez. I'm just done with it. I mean, it's why he's next to Brady Singer, who has been a cherry bomb for three years. I will harp on this forever. Uh, I'm still waiting for the changeup that everyone keeps telling me that Brady Singer is going to have and change yeah, was everything. I wrong about him? Um, but I... Were you high on Brady Singer? I I was. He had made a change over the off season because I don't know if it was driveline or something else where he had made a tweak. Um, because I'll be honest, posit- I've thought of like all the pitchers you've been in on, in on, and like you were so right this year. Like you killed it. Like you were in on Drew Rasmussen that. a ton aggressively. Joe Ryan, super mm-hmm. duper. Yo, what's up? You're mm-hmm. in. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, I think you were too. Yeah, yeah, I was in on Eovaldi. I mean, like yeah. these are these are fun ones, buddy. Yeah, Brady Singer, I was, I was, I was super wrong on, and that'll be the whip that I, you know, hit myself with over and over. I mean, yeah, and here we have the debate Brady's about here. Jesus Lazardo. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, guys, just listen to Alex fast. Don't listen to me anymore. No, I don't know what stop, I'm doing. Stop, stop, stop. Um, any other quick hits in this tier? Um, Juan Aviedo is actually doing kind of decently well. He has two good matchups ahead. I think it's worth your time. A good I think is always just the fork ball. Like it's insane. It's kind of interesting. I might have even mention this last week. Someone said like, no, it's the four seamer. Um, and we has his four seamer. Oh, yeah, you talked fork, about this. Fork ball yep. better. And that's an interesting idea, but yeah, no. Um, and Andrew Heaney can't get a slider or change up down and it messes everything up. Luis Ortiz could have a good start where like he gets his fastballs over the plate and he doesn't know where it's going and the slider works well, but like that's a complete chance. And Griffin King's kind of interesting. He throws about 35%, 30% four seamers and the secondaries when they get enough strikes, like that works with it, with about strikeout per inning. So 
Um, that's kind of cool. Don't overlook it. But yeah, the floor isn't fun. Um, but yeah, there's your cherry bomb tier. Final tier, tier 12, 88 through 100. Aaron Savali, Tywin Walker, unranked to 89. Patrick Sandoval, Martin Perez down 12 to 91. Michael Lorenz at 92. Kyle Gibson, Reese Olsen. Zach Davies, Dane Dunning down 18 to 96. Paul Blackburn, Kyle Bradish, Matthew Boyd, and rounding out the top 100, Cutter Crawford. What's it called? Why is it called that? Uh, what I want here, because these are the streamers, right? What I want is that every time a team travels to a new city, the city itself is required to have a welcoming party. As in like the, the, the red carpet is, is laid out. There are people there like welcome, welcome. Like the mayor shows up and shakes their hand and says, we're just so glad that you're here. You know, good. Uh, I want that to happen. I, I am a little upset that we got through the entire podcast and we didn't hear the great Adam Howe, uh, fantastic pitchless employees. Very good wild thought recently about like lefties running the bases. Oh like yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Sanyo's going to forget some. I mean, there was Jason Benetti's, which is legendary to me. Is that he wanted? Um, I, I didn't want to steal it. Instead of a home run derby, he wants a triples derby. Yeah, and he said, like those great. that when you're not batting, you are in the outfield. Uh, you are, you know. So it's like you have to conserve your speed. When do you want to use your energy and everything? And I asked him, well, what happens when you when you hit a home run instead of a triple? Right, it actually goes out of the park. And without skipping a beat, Benetti says. They lose a finger. <laughs> uh, I love him um, so let's much. Jason Benetti is his, like one of my favorite a, humans. He's a national treasure. Mr. Rogers of baseball. Uh, take us home with why Cutter Crawford is our new. Oh, Mr. man. Do you know how good Crutter, Crutter, oh my gosh, Cutter Crawford is? <laughs> how good is, is Crutter Crawford? Yeah. Um, his four-seamer legitimately is 100th percentile POV. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? You you didn't expect that. 68% quality no. pitch rate. Last year, Cutter Crawford's four-seamer had a 12% swing strike rate with a 66% strike rate. This year, seven, 19, I'm sorry, 19% swing strike rate, 76% strike rate, 33% CSW, 16% hard contact, and his approach changed massively. High location of those four-seamers, 63% versus 48 last year. Wow. Yeah, Carter Crawford throws is about 40% of the time. And one of the bigger changes is that he moved from the middle of the rubber to the first base Mm -hmm. side. Um, As you kind of see that actually in the extension section of our stack cast tab for pitches, you can see that the not the extension, I'm sorry, the XRP, the the uh, X axis release point as it went from negative 1.7 to negative 1.1. So we shifted a little bit and he gets a ton of movement on it. 11.6 11.6 uh, wide movement on this fastball. You can give me the induced vertical break in a second here. He's mm-hmm. also one of the few guys on the pitcherless player pages that has his own uh, Easter egg. If you go to the player I'm page, just going to bring it up. I'm yeah, and if you, up. Just, uh, if you just go to it and you can probably figure it out if you look at the repertoire tab. It's pretty obvious, but I absolutely love that's hard coded in. I went to our developer, Jeff Nivey, and I was like, let me please do this. Um, and he did it like that night. Uh, he does we need to get person. that cutter down more. I think that's one of the bigger problems that Cutter Crawford has at the moment, which is kind of interesting. Like, fix your cutter cutter. Mm. Uh, and the curveball is a big call strike pitch, 26%. Like, this should work. The only problem, the Red Sox have yet to allow him to throw more than 60 pitches since April 17th. That's and crazy. it that's drives insane. me insane. He's been in relief. 
He just now got two starts. It was three innings of 40 pitches and the three innings of 58 pitches. So if Cutter Crawford is able to uh, to maintain that fastball as a starter, then we've got some fun stuff happening here. So he's the perfect 100 of like, yo, look at Cutter Crawford. Let's see what the, the Red Sox do with him. Okay. Uh, 20, about about 20 inches of induced vertical break. Oh, boy. His, uh, yeah, oh, that's, that's elite. Boy. That's elite. That's elite. Um, there it is. Nick, we did it. another beautiful, wonderful podcast. Um, any final parting words for the listeners? Um, really, go to the Pitcher List Discord. If you're not a part of it, go sign up for PL Plus today. You can use promo code PODCAST, capital letters, uh, to get a discount on that. Get PL Pro. Get in there, see the new idea that we have uh, and the new venture that we're considering. Um, you will want that to exist, and I want to hear your thoughts. I hope to see you there. All righty. That is going to do it then for episode number 398 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Vest. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>